Welcome back to Spinal Tap Minute, the podcast where we do this, do that, do another thing, <laughs> and it all ends up being <laughs> the Spinal Tap Minute. I didn't have my script in front of me, everybody. That's okay. You know what I'm doing. <laughs> We're on minute 34 of the, the movie This is Spinal Tap, and um, I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Sean German of 5MinutesOfMime.com. And with us once again today are special guests Jenny and Mike of The Whole Shebang. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Thanks for coming back. No Thank problem. You. So, uh, so we're here for Minute 34. Minute 34, we're back at the castle with He Just Went Up <laughs> as explanation for uh, the, the fate of Peter James Bond. <laughs> we end with uh, mid-song during sound check on stage. And in between, we hear about how there was nothing left of Bond except for a little green gobule, gobule on his drum globule. globule. More, more of a stain, yeah. really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we hear about that thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, here we are, minute 34. Well, I, I, I was ecstatic when we got these minutes because, <laughs> boy, if there's nothing, if there's anything I like to talk about more than than strange phenomena and 14 events. I don't know what I have to talk about because mm-hmm. I love the un- the unknown, the paranormal, the supernatural, and Ooh, yes, being okay. able to talk about the Exploding drama. the spontaneous human combustion of Peter James Bond is just going to be a treat for me. <laughs> That's great because I have questions about this. So I've heard of spontaneous <laughs> combustion before, but I always imagine that as being a body... Just like all of a sudden being, you know, on fire. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, I never thought of green as being a part of it. Or <laughs> globules for that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, the, that's the detail that just sells this story. It's, it's just great, you know. Just nothing left of them but a tiny green globule. Yes, yeah, spontaneous human combustion has actually been known to... Uh, students of phenomena like this. Since ancient the, alien scholars. Say. Some ancient alien yeah. scholars believe. Um, yeah, this is yeah, a real the, the ter- the, Yeah, the term was invented in the 1740s in an English scientific journal. And it, it stuck. And there were these sort of occasional instances of it happening throughout the next 200 or so years. Now, you won't be surprised to find out that more and more of these cases were reported as people started having like Naugahyde chairs and falling asleep on them with uh, <laughs> a cigarette dangling from their mouth in like the 1950s and 60s. But but um, one thing that, that David gets right about this is that, you know, he says there are hundreds of people who this happens to every year. It's just not very <laughs> widely reported, and which is another great line. But there's only really been about 300 like certified cases. But, <laughs> who but, certifies it? Well, I, I, guess, I guess the investigators certify it. But the he's right. The inspector. The glob- globule <laughs> inspector. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> But it, but it is if that's true that David you know knows that there are a lot of cases that aren't reported every year, then there could be hundreds of thousands of these things happening. So it's conspiracy. Yes. Well, David is kind of the occult-minded member of the group, isn't he? He's got the sort of you know we're, we're, it's going to be after our minutes, but he talks about sort of all the things that go through all the philosophies that have gone through his transom over the years. But Nigel, right. Nigel wears a green skeleton T-shirt, which. 
Which is, well, he's just goth. He's just proto-goth. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think it's, it's part of the conspiracy now. Yeah. It could be. It could be. He could, That green could be green globules, I guess. Yeah. That's true, because he says that the skeleton you see on his shirt actually is that color. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Wow. Well, he knows. He's seen You've it. You've cracked he's it. He's someone explode on stage. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. that's really, yeah. So... I mean, this is a gr- this is a great sequence because it's just like the Isle of Lucy thing from last minute. It's just all sort of like very casually thrown out there. And it's like the band has concern that another one of their drummers died, but they're really just more interested in telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah. they're not they're, they're not worried that it might spread to them. <laughs> they you know, never so are, yeah. You know, Mick later says when he joined the band, they they alert him. They <laughs> let him know the history of drummers with the band. But doesn't seem they don't they're not worried it's not going to spread. No, it's just a drummer thing. <laughs> just a drummer. Thing. Yeah, another drummer down. Do we have a count of how many drummers <laughs> so far? I think there's only two so far in the movie up to this point. There's only Stumpy Peeps and and Peter James Bond. But I think the again, if you go to the Spinal Tap A to Z, you're going to probably see another two or three. I think before mm-hmm. Mick. Well, um, they. Yeah, I was just going to say they they do a calculation. So there's there's the bass player that we saw earlier on the the pop look and listen clip. So there was a bass player before Derek, Ronnie Pudding, right? Ronnie right, Pudding. Ronnie Pudding. Wrote the Flower Children song. Oh, so they kicked him out. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and I think I'm not. There might have been another keyboard player before Viv joined. Yeah. But then later, w- Marty is asking David about the people, and he mentions. I think the number 37 comes up, the 37 people that, that David has played with, you know, so how can he be upset that <sighs> Nigel's left the band at that point? Cause he's played with all the other people. <laughs> so if there's another, you know, another bass player and another keyboard player. Then the other 35 must be drummers. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Cause it does remind me of like, when you go to like a Wikipedia page for a band that's been around for 40 years, and they have those mm-hmm. little timelines on them that tell you like who played with whom, when, like, yeah. It, it's it's great. I want to see the fictional Spinal Tap uh, band member timeline and see like the broken drummers, like one every two years, basically just <laughs> going all the way down the Wikipedia page. <laughs> right. It reminds me at one point I saw like a family tree of prog rock between Yes and ELP and GTR and and Genesis and and all those bands that all the different and and. And folks that have been around and that have been playing at this point half a century, um, all the different players that have gone in and out and all the different bands and, and incantations and incarnations, um, that they're not that far off with what yeah. they're talking about. With I mean, usually it's just people leaving the band to join another band. They're not necessarily spontaneously combusting. Um, <laughs> but just in, terms of, of, just in terms of the number of members in the band, um, it's not it's not crazy. Again, what they're doing here is is very slight for as crazy as this movie is, a lot of the craziness is only slight exaggeration. Yeah. That's what that's what musicians always say about this movie is that it just comes so close to real life. And again, it, yeah, it is exaggerated for effect, but yeah, every single person who's interviewed about Smile Tap says, yep, that happened to us on tour. Yep, that happened to yeah, us on tour. I was just reading an interview with Nirvana and that apparently Dave Grohl and Kurt were saying there was no good movie made or documentary made about what it was really like to be in a rock band except Spinal Tap. That was the mm. real one. <laughs> I think. Yeah, um, no, I, I, it definitely rings true. Like, um, what was the one... 
It's not they the were last in Ireland. Wall. Oh, the commitment. No. Oh, the commitment. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the commitments. That's a good music. So yeah, I, but I remember. So with the commitments, I saw it while I was in a big band, and we were doing swing and and cabaret and all this stuff but i thought oh i'll go see this movie because there's so many uh there's so many people in the commitments you know it might kind of remind me of being in this band and at the time i didn't really like it all that much even though i like that the songs that they were doing and and all that but Mm -hmm. i think because there was so much arguing it kind (laughs) of you know set me off a little bit like i don't like this tension and uh, this is a little uncomfortable and then our, our our band actually spontaneously combusted in a pretty major way which i won't go into details right now but it'd be good for me to maybe go back and watch the commitment yeah um, it's a good reason I, I quit my college band in a fit of peak right before the end of senior year and uh th- they replaced me very very easily but like <laughs> the yorkshire terrier what well, when Mike moved out, his parents replaced him with a Yorkshire Terrier. So I kind of oh. like, I kind of like to think that there was a Yorkshire Terrier in your band, also. You know, this is the first it's time. So there's something embarrassing about me tonight. It probably won't be <laughs> the probably last. Won't be the last yeah. But uh, no, I was not replaced by a dog in the band, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like yeah, you know, just find another drummer, find another bassist. Now, when when uh, Stumpy Peeps uh, died a few uh, uh, weeks ago in the podcast. Did you guys talk about um, Jeff Porcaro from Toto? No. Because he died not. in a bizarre, bizarre gardening accident but as well. But he died in a bizarre gardening accident. Yeah. What? Kind yeah. of. He was in his garden. He was spraying insecticide, and apparently he had a reaction to it. He also had an existing heart problem. Rough. So a, a spinal tap joke <laughs> came to life when he died <laughs> in the early 90s. I know. Yeah. It's... It's one of those things where, again, it's like stranger than fiction, but it ends up happening in real life from Spinal Tap. So, yeah, yeah, I'm a big, big fan of all forms of yacht rock. So that was a piece of trivia I definitely wanted to shoehorn into the into my appearance. <laughs> yeah, so we, yeah, we we were saving it for you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, rest in peace, Jeff Burkhart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things I was I was kind of thinking about when um, we found out we were getting these minutes was. I guess rock stars that did die or almost die in weird ways. Because my favorite one, and I didn't know for a while if I'd imagined this, but I looked it up and it did actually happen, was that um, Boy George in the 90s was almost crushed to death by a massive glitter ball. Oh my gosh. Which would have been the best death for Boy George. Like, like dodging out of the way of that ball. He's an idiot. It's a 62 pound mirror ball that fell from the ceiling above the stage and almost wow. crushed him to death. Wow. Yeah. What a way to go. It would have been brilliant, yeah, and he ruined well, yeah. it by surviving. Yeah, the idiot. That's a that's a perfect final act. How do you top that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of picturing it like Indiana Jones, like the ball just yeah. rolling after him, you know, <laughs> being chased by glitter down the road. You know, it probably did happen like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like there was a drummer in between. I, like, because don't they say Stumpy? There's. Joe Stumpy peeps, and then there's another Stumpy another right Stumpy. after that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somebody on somebody on Twitter or in our Facebook group is going to be like, "Yeah, duh. Don't, do you even know this movie?" <laughs> <laughs> I what I have a few things up on the screen in front of me, and and I try to look at yeah, those. Well, was, I don't have all the details memorized, so I apologize. Yeah, there was er- Eric Stumpy Joe Childs. Okay. <laughs> 
I'm at one not quite they sure. They just wanted where... to keep that name. Like they just wanted to make sure they had a stumpy in the Maybe band. they'd had merchandise yeah. made. Maybe they'd had like t-shirts <gasps> printed. So they're like, sorry, you're gonna have to be stumpy as well. <laughs> That's great. Did your parents, was the Yorkshire Terrier called Michael? Did it like get your name? We were talking about something completely different. I know, I I that. Did they really name the Terrier Michael? No, no. He's just having a go at me. Boy, I know. I so miss podcasting with you, my dear. Yeah, we haven't talked to each other for a few months, so this is kind of... This is like the first time. Yeah, exactly. We just yeah. exist Reunited. on podcasts, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's actually, I'd just love to hear what, how, I know by listening to your podcast that you said that the movie that you chose for your Movies by Minutes podcast was based on it being something that the two of you, was like a cross-section of something you both enjoyed. Yeah. How, how did it come about? How did you discover the format and decide to get into it? I think um, you were listening to the Godfather Minute, no, right, Mike? Goodfellas Minute. Goodfellas Minute. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, those guys, I mean, Goodfellas is probably, it, it might be my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. they did a fantastic job with it. Um, the, the main host of the show is from New York City, and he had all that sort of mob lore and everything like that. And, I, I mean, I had seen, like, Star Wars Minute and some other sort of minute-by-minute podcasts, but when we were deciding like, okay, what can we do that actually has a lot of depth to it, has a lot of like tangents we can go off on and also appeals to both of us. If you've listened to the whole shebang, you'll know that Jenny and I with our musical tastes don't cross over a ton. Or at all. Or at all. Well, no, we do. because <laughs> I think I, have, I maintain a healthy respect for David Bowie, whereas you are like his number one fan. So there's a little bit of crossover there. Yeah. And so Velvet Goldmine being this fictionalized story of um, – a glam star who's very, very reminiscent of David Bowie uh, seemed like a natural choice. And we both love Todd Haynes, the filmmaker um, who also did uh, far from heaven and um, forgetting all the movies he did. Now <laughs> I'm not there. The Bob yeah. Dylan uh, six incarnations of Bob Dylan movie. So we thought Velvet Goldmine would be a really, really good candidate for that. And it's one of the only movies we both like, and there's a lot of material in there as well. Cause it goes into sort of so many sort of, areas of rock and roll history we kind of thought it was pretty rich yeah i kind of remember as we were driving home in the car listening to the the goodfellas podcast and i was like hey you know what would make a really good minute by minute podcast <laughs> and it was kind of let's put the show on right here kids moment yeah i think it's adorable you just said goodfellas just like your mother oh, does. That's it. Yeah. Well, it's like we talked about how english people can't say, um, i don't know if i'm allowed to swear in this podcast yes. but i hope so but like Fine. english people can't say motherfucker because we sound stupid mm. and like goodfellas <laughs> i did it again god damn it goodfellas <laughs> is another word that we cannot mm. say like any goodfellas it's not something we can say no it's not yeah. <laughs> that's wow. probably why i said godfather because i knew you'd get revenge for the yorkshire terrier yeah. listen it, it, the score is two to one you have two yorkshire Terrier references to my one Goodfellows uh, <laughs> reference. So. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was you know, it was a good movie for us to pick. We both really liked it a lot. We both got to talk about things that interest us. And David Bowie's penis was Well, there was a lot of package <laughs> yeah. jokes yeah. in that podcast. Yeah. A lot of references to Labyrinth, which is one of Jenny's favorite movies. Yeah. You should do a Labyrinth Minute with someone. Uh, see, I don't think that would work because there's not enough to talk about that isn't... David Bowie's penis. No, We've already right. done that yeah. for 120 episodes. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think certain movies, um, you you really have to 
want to look at every single minute. And what I appreciated about your podcast is that I had seen and enjoyed Velvet Goldmine, but listening to the way you guys dissected it, and I, I'm a fan of David Bowie, but not as knowledgeable about all all of that stuff. And then just all the 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 glam stuff, I just know about it and enjoy it, but kind of from afar. So to get that deep dive and and just the culture and everything, I mean, everything. So you guys truly did a super duper deep, deep dive. And and, um, I really appreciate it. All the way uh, to the really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. (laughs) So yeah, go ahead, Sean. I I I have a question for Jenny. So I was wondering, what do you think of the accents that are our three leads, Derek, Nigel, and David? Those actors are American, born in the United States of America, but they are playing Englishmen. Christopher Guest has some British uh, lineage. Lineage, yes. Yes. You know, I think they're actually pretty good. This is actually something I was thinking about. Um, I think they all do a really good job. It's a kind of a slightly, it sort of strays into sort of comedy Australian very occasionally. And I can mm-hmm. say that because I grew up in New Zealand, so my accent is like this weird mix of New Zealand and English. So, you know, if anyone's going to recognize that, it's going to be me. <laughs> but I think they do a really good job with it. And in the parts where it does kind of stray over into sort of like American slash Australian, I think that there's a, a legacy of rock stars in the 70s and 80s, British rock stars, who would put on like a sort of slightly mid-Atlantic mm. American accent to sound cool because that's where the cool music came from. Yeah. So I think even in the parts where the accents do slip, and it's not very often, you mm-hmm. can kind of explain it away by that. Like Spinal Tap want to be like this big American rock band and they slip into the slightly cheesy mid-Atlantic um, as part of Spinal Tap. Yeah. Okay. If yeah, I were that's... them, that's what I'd say to justify it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yeah. And it's not unusual for uh, someone who speaks with a non-American accent to s- sing like an American oh, for yeah. somebody, if someone's grown up listening to American music. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And certainly, you know, folks that have traveled the world and elsewhere, like Spinal <laughs> Tap has, you know, the accent will be affected by... Um, all the different people they're exposed to around the world. So. Exactly. Yeah. I think they do a good job. Yeah. I, I, I think Harry Shearer, again, I think he's the best because he, he keeps it – it's very low-key. Like Derek is, is that sort of calming influence. And so I think his accent's probably the worst, but he gets away with it because he has that sang-froid. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He's kind of Ringo a bit. There's Ringo. Definitely yeah. some Ringo. I think Derek is supposed to be from the North, actually. All uh, right. Yeah. His dad's a telephone sanitizer. Did you know that? <laughs> oh, no, I almost, made, I almost made Jenny make take a spit take there. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, they did a little, um, like, in the early 90s, they did, like, a Spinal Tap special on TV, and they uh, Nigel went back to his hometown and went on, went on the rounds with his dad sanitizing telephones. I need to see that. <laughs> That's a very British occupation, isn't it? Yeah. Telephone sanitizer. Yeah. It, it was referenced in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, That's right, yeah. and I didn't know what it was. So I was like, what? <laughs> Fairly self-explanatory. Like, I, I knew what it was. I just didn't know it was an actual thing. Yeah, I guess it was one of those things where they created consumer anxiety by saying, is your is your telephone earpiece caked with horrible, you know, substances from being next to your head all day? Well, call this telephone sanitizer to clean but it up. But how? How can you call the telephone sanitizer? <laughs> you, have you have to hold it at length. Yeah, go, hold it at uh, length. Like yeah. <laughs> so now it makes me want to go back and, and I wonder what else 
in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that I assumed was fiction from the mind of Douglas Adams is an actual real thing in England. <laughs> it was all true. <laughs> I found this out recently, actually. Sorry to go off on a tangent like this, but um, there's a point in Hitchhiker's Guide where I think Ford says Goosnarg, but that's actually the name of a town in, I think, Scotland or something like that. And um, that connects up with Douglas Adams's book, The Meaning of Lyft, which was he gave meanings to all of these weird sounding British place names. You know, like it's it's sort of like, yeah, it's sort of like a, a typical sort of, you know, British wordplay type of book. But um, but mm-hmm. yeah, like um, I loved Hitch. See, I'm a, I'm an Anglophile, as you could probably tell, since I, I, I married someone from, from Jolly Old England. But like, <laughs> Is that why? <laughs> yeah, that's basically yeah. the only wow. reason. I just wanted the cool cachet of having a British wife. But, but I, I've been I've been surrounded by all this stuff like Hitchhiker's Guide, Doctor Who, um Tomorrow People, uh, all of those great old uh, British uh, science fiction books and shows. And so Jenny and I, if we can't agree on music, we can definitely agree on science fiction for sure. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's good to have some common ground here. My my husband is a bit of an Anglophile more for, I think, comedies, comedy mm-hmm. television and stuff like that. But um, I remember when we first started dating it, and he doesn't really do it as much anymore but i think i was like he he said something about something going pear-shaped and i was like what the hell does that mean <laughs> is it good or bad <laughs> pears, pears are okay <laughs> i think uh, kind of um you reminded me as well one of the other things i do really well with um spinal tap when you look into sort of the history of the band um like the place names are great mm-hmm. like um, squatney squatney, squatney. Yeah. Yes. i could totally believe that squatney is a real place in london it's so perfect <laughs> And I think that, you know, even though they're not British, they do get all the little touches like that. Yeah, so perfect that you can't really begrudge them the occasional Australian lapse. <laughs> well, I think that's a perfect segue then into our second 26 of minute 34, which is Shank Hall in Shank Milwaukee, Hall. Wisconsin. <laughs> Another great name. Yeah. Shank Hall. And, and a little bit of trivia. There is actually a Shank Hall in Milwaukee. Oh no! Oh really? wow! And it, but it's act, it's actually named after the movie. Oh, oh that's that's great! great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! Uh, well, yes. I'm excited. Yeah, go ahead. Tell well, I was just going to say one of the things that you find out when you watch all those deleted scenes is they they shot this movie entirely in Los Angeles. Every yeah. single one of these like you know, exteriors, every single one of these performance halls, they're all various buildings in Los Angeles. So I, but you know, again, like if you're on tour, how much of the world do you really see outside your tour bus window and the gig, right? Like mm-hmm. you, it is kind of like just being in Los Angeles the entire time, you know, you're shuttled from hotel to, to, to gig, to radio station. You don't really get to see yeah. uh, the world outside your window that much. So it makes sense that they could just do all this in, in, in like a five-mile radius. Of, it's uh, making me think of a Simpsons episode, like Good Night, Springton. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever town you are, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so all, yeah, all these performances were done at the, the Raymond Theater in Pasadena, and that's why they all look the same. All these stages look the same. Oh. Okay. Um, but yeah, here we are for uh, for sound check at Shank Hall, and we get a little "Give me some money," and Nigel's once again in his Gumby and Pokey shirt. Yeah. Oh, oh, this isn't the first appearance of the Gumby and Pokey shirt. Oh man, I was I was so excited to talk about Nigel's 
out of nowhere love for Gumby. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, so do they have Gumby and Pokey over in the UK? I, you know, that's hard to answer because I remember seeing that show, but I watched it in New Zealand because that's kind of where I spent my kid years. And um, we used to get all the American shows, basically. I'm kind of assuming they must do. I feel like Gumby is kind of universal, but yeah, he was in New Zealand. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think in the in those deleted scenes I was talking about, he talks about finding Gumby on TV in America mm. and like growing to love him on tour. And like that, again, that makes total sense. What's going to be on at like 630 in the morning when you're getting, you know, done with partying all night? It's going to be a, a Gumby repeat on some UHF station. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and if you're seeing it for the first time, it really is like pretty psychedelic and weird and yes. captivating. yes. Well, yeah, it's perfect. You've, you've been on stage for 90 minutes, two hours, however long the set goes with with music, you know, with the, the volume up to 11. And then <laughs> there's the after party. You've been drinking, you're out. And then you're just getting back to the hotel at, at 6 a.m. The sun's coming up and you want something to help you, you know, kind of take the edge off, but nothing that's going to challenge you intellectually. <laughs> <laughs> And there's Gumby. Yeah. It's so it's actually... really endearing because like Nigel is so childlike in so many ways. Like he, he definitely has that sort of like, you know, wide eyed innocence to him through a lot of the movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he, you know, he's guileless. He's kind of like yeah. very direct. He's very honest. He's very literal in his interpretations and his statements. Yeah. He's like the hard worker of the group as well. He's like the real, like, serious musician. So it's kind of sweet that he does chill out to Gumby. I, like <laughs> <laughs> I love the sound check. I mean, it's so authentic. They're just kind of sloppy. They're doing like totally. a blues, Roger Daltrey-influenced version of GSM. They have a, mm-hmm. even have a little abbreviation for it, which is great. You yeah. can picture them scribbling GSM on the set list. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. But I really, really like the sound check scene. I... I I, you know, it gets interrupted, obviously. We're going to see that next minute. But I, I think we've talked about, maybe we even talked about this in the whole shebang, like um, sound check experiences at gigs, like mm-hmm. getting to hear the band before yeah, they go on. That's so good. It's yeah. always great if you're kind of able to hear them in the, in, you know, in the, uh, in the venue before the, the show actually starts. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It feels very special and intimate. I think as a, as a performer and one of my, places I used to see bands the most um, in Sacramento was Old Ironsides, which I've mentioned a couple other times. But what was so great was um, the earlier version of Old Ironsides, this bar slash um, venue, was that in the early days, there, there was no definition between the stage and the regular ground. You know, there wasn't a, a proper stage. Wow. So you kind of everybody always... At least my experience was I always kind of felt like, oh, I'm just hanging out with the band and they're playing, you know, but we're yeah. just sort of like here with them. And then mm-hmm. once they did build a stage and it's not too far up, it's a couple feet high because yeah. their ceilings aren't too high, is <laughs> that you still kind of just always feel whether they're doing sound check or not. And the green room is basically the bathrooms. So, you know, you're, you know, you're using the restroom with them and kind of having a beer with them and stuff. It was a great place, great intimate place to see some bands and kind of feel like you're, you're right, right there with them. And that's how I felt performing there too. Like it was intimate, definitely my preferred way to see and be 
playing music. Yeah, for sure. I think I've had this argument with people before, whether it's better to see them in a small venue like that or in a stadium. And yeah, I'm on the side of a small venue too. The one I used to go to um, is the Forum in Tunbridge Wells, and it used to be a public toilet. And it's this tiny little building, and they kind of like knocked it into one big room, and there's a stage a couple of feet high, just like, you know, how you describe. And then you get people who say, oh, no, but you can't really appreciate them unless they're in a, like a huge stadium, you know, with the the devil head that we can see them assembling behind the bed. <laughs> yeah. shot. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it's better when it's just like a little tiny room and you're right up against the bend and it's kind of more intimate experience mm. for sure. Mm. And you can steal the set less from the stage. Oh, and- yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Somewhere I have a few different coveted set lists. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they actually do quite a, I mean, it's, you know, we know this is all cut up footage that they've cobbled together, but that... um skull back there goes through many different versions of them putting the mm-hmm. putting the <laughs> the horns on and then all of a sudden the guy's not there and the guy is there and he's putting one horn on and then both <laughs> horns are on and they're both back off and it's kind of a fun thing to look at when you're yeah. watching it you know minute by minute like this i love nigel's lineup of guitars in the back like oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amps. it's great it's like i got the got the flying v got the, the double neck guitar. yeah the Flying V is the best guitar? I think it's the best guitar. It's the coolest guitar. What about I a, what about I mean, a Sunburst, any- Les Paul? I don't know anything about sort of musical instruments. I like have no musical ability whatsoever, but it's the coolest looking guitar. I'll say that. <laughs> totally. It's rock and roll. Yeah. Well, it's very 80s, too. So yeah. Yeah. some of the other ones are more classic. Yeah. Do they come in colors other than white? I, I seem to always yeah. visualize them as this, as a white guitar. but No, I'm sure they do. Yeah. Yeah, I had in in the eighties. I had a black V. Oh, I used to play. I had a black flying V. So they do come in colors. (laughs) Yeah, these guys look great, and yeah, it is so naturalistic. This, you know, this is Mike number one. I mean, I can never not say that when I'm (laughs) playing sound check. It's either that or or sibilance. I think it was about like minute minute 15 or 16 of the podcast before I stopped doing that. Every time I, every time we hooked in, the first thing I'd say to Heidi would be, this is Mike number one. one. (laughs) All right. So is that about it for minute 34? Anything else to add? No, not from us. We'll get a little bit more of the sound check on uh, tomorrow for Friday, but uh, yeah, so let's wrap up Minute 34. Sounds good. Well, we hope you've enjoyed Episode 34 of Spinal Tap Minute. I've certainly enjoyed talking tap with our buddies, Jenny and Mike, and of course, Sean. Um <laughs> He's a he's a buddy too, <laughs> and Gumby and Pokey and the whole gang. So uh, yeah, you can uh, stay connected with us through SpinalTapMinute.com, and there you can subscribe if you haven't done that yet. If maybe you're finding us for the first time this week through um, through Mike and Jenny, then we would love to have you subscribe and listen to the back catalog, so to speak, up to the previous minutes. And uh, yeah, where else can people find us, Sean? Uh, if you can swing by Facebook, we also have a, a group there we like to call the Spinal Tap Minute Groupies Lounge. So you can swing on by and join the conversation. And so, uh, Jenny and Mike, if folks uh, have enjoyed you and would like to enjoy some more, where can they go to do that? 
Well, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Just search for The Whole Shebang or Velvet Goldmine. You should be able to get us either way. And our website is theholeshebangpodcast.com. And uh, we're also on Twitter at Whole Shebang Pod. Yeah, I like to hang out with you guys on Twitter, see what you're up to. (laughs) All right. So uh, if if you guys don't mind, Jenny and Mike and Heidi and all all you folks out there on podcast land, come on back tomorrow. We'll 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 wrap up the week. But for today, until next time, and so say all of us. Tap, tap into, into America. America. <laughs>